Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Now is the time to live the life of your dreams and do the work you feel most called to do in the world. Welcome to the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Here's your host, Cliff Ravenscraft. That's right, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. And I am not even sure why I am doing this, but I feel led to do something different today than I normally would. And that is play for you an episode from the archives, not from this show, but one of the other podcasts that I've produced over the years. And it's a podcast that is called Encouraging Others Through Christ, or, well, it was previously and originally called About the Church. I'm not sure why I feel called to share this episode, but one thing I can tell you is that if you are turned off by faith-based conversations, this episode may not be the one for you, because this one is about as raw as it gets when it comes to faith-based conversations. And yes, we talk about the church, aka the local congregational gatherings, but we also talk about the church, which are the called-out people who who believe in Jesus, and yes, we even say the name Jesus several times in this episode. So uh, if, if any of that stuff turns you off, you could just delete this episode, skip this episode if you want. Uh, but the interesting th- thing happened this morning. I was at the gym, and one of the members of the Next Level Mastermind, Brad Miller, texted me, and he says, hey, Cliff, I have a question for you. Who is this David Foster that you are referencing in your daily affirmation file. See, for those who came to Free the Dream, which Brad was one of those folks, uh, he has the access to the workbook that was there given out at Free the Dream. And in the back of the workbook, in the appendix, I shared my daily affirmation file, which is pages and pages of affirmations. And there are a handful, maybe eight or nine, different affirmations where I attribute that affirmation or that quote where I first originally heard it myself to the man David Foster or David H. Foster. And so Brad reached out to me this morning and says, hey, who is this David Foster? Is it the songwriter? And I said, no, it's not the songwriter. He was a pastor in Nashville who had a radical, profound impact on my life. And here's a podcast episode, a conversation I did with him that may be of interest to you. And I sent him a link to episode number 124 of the Encouraging Others Through Christ podcast, although it was episode 124 of the About the Church podcast at the time. And I said, if, you, if you're interested, have a listen to this. And then I sent him a link to a book by David Foster called A Renegade's Guide to God, Finding Life Outside Conventional Christianity. And when I sent him that, I said, Brad, it's not a, this is not a book about leaving the quote-unquote local church. He was a devoted pastor of a significant quote-unquote local church. And so anyway, I, sh- I shared all that with Brad, and he was, he's off, and he's, I'm pretty sure he's going to go buy that book is what it sounded like. 
And as a result of sending him the link to episode 124, I listened to it while I was at the gym this morning. And I'm like, wow, this, my friends, is a blast from the past. Now, the thing is, is the audio that I'm going to share with you is already an hour long. And I, I'm not going to go through the entire story of how I met David Foster and how my life was radically changed by him. But here's what I will tell you is that if I, when I share this episode, if you listen to this and you want to hear that story in a future episode of this podcast, email me, cliff at cliffravenscraft.com and say, I'd love to hear the full story of David Foster, how you met, and how it radically, profoundly changed your life. And if I get enough of those, then I will consider doing a podcast episode about that. But I'm at this point, I'm not even sure about putting this in here. This, As you guys know, I am a man of faith. I, I never try to hide that, but I never wear it on my sleeve. I never wear it as a quote-unquote badge of honor. I never try to throw that in people's face. I never try to convince other people that I'm right about this and everyone else is wrong, and if you don't believe my way, then, well, there's terrible consequences. No, I, well, first of all, it's not that I never do that. It's just that that's not how I approach my faith any longer. I, I gave up. That was very much who I was years ago. There was a time when I was that guy. And it's not like there's never been a faith-based episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft show, aka previously known as Podcast Answer Man show. There have been, and there have been several that I intentionally felt led to share and, and was very... But this is this one is so over the top, controversial for those who are not interested in faith-based discussions and for those who... Uh, are Christian and and have a lot of beliefs that I used to have, um, quite frankly, it, it's going to be potentially controversial for them. One thing you may or may not know about myself is that in September 2011, I, Cliff Ravenscraft, and my wife, Stephanie, together made a decision that we would no longer feel obligated to attend a weekly congregational gathering of believers, a.k.a. what's known as commonly and called the local church. And some people just shortened it to go to this idea of we go to church. So if you are familiar with that language, what I can tell you is that in that language, my wife and I made the decision that we were no longer going to go to church on a weekly basis. And we haven't since. Uh, no, that's not to say we've never, you know, uh, our shadows have never darkened the door of a, a local congregational gathering. We have probably, uh, well, together we have probably about five times. Uh, I'm recording this November 2018, by the way. And and quite frankly, there was a time we thought, well, maybe we should go check this one out. And it, it didn't take us very long to say, eh, nope, still not for us. Not at this season, not in the season of life. Now, I will tell you that there have been times when my wife and my daughters went to a local congregational gathering on a consistent basis for a period of several months, and they enjoyed it until they felt no longer compelled to go. And it, and, and I, even all of that, I realize, can start ruffling some feathers. And I, and I want you to know this. I am a man of faith. I believe in Jesus. I have a wonderful relationship with God. 
and with other believers that is vibrant and even more vibrant today than all of my years. And I spent a decade in professional Christian ministry as an associate pastor in actually three different local congregational gatherings. What I can tell you is that I I was a pastor. I, I've preached sermons. I've done weddings. I, I, I've, I was an official minister in the Nazarene church for a while, then a, in a big, huge mega church, a Church of Christ Church, and then a little independent church that went in a high school gymnasium. And I grew up going to church, using that language again, since I was a kid. But since September of 2011, I have not done that consistently. I don't, I don't ever suggest my lifestyle outside of conventional Christianity to anyone else. It's not something that I'm here to promote or anything like that. But what I can tell you is that it has been an incredible journey of freedom, and freedom is definitely something that is a common theme that is clearly on my heart and the heart of my wife, Stephanie, as well. We have been embracing our own freedom, and through our freedom, we've had a lot of opportunity to help other people uh, embrace freedom, to be who they truly are. And some of those people, it is very much experiencing freedom from the the conformity to moralistic Christian obligation. And by the way, some of those have experienced freedom and still very much are a part of local congregational gatherings, and some of them not. But the other thing is is, is our, our calling to help people experience freedom is not limited to the area of spiritual life. We've experienced, we've helped people experience, for me, I've helped a ton of people experience freedom from uh, an oppressive work situation that keeps them from living the lives for which they were created. My wife has been very instrumental in the lives of other women who have uh, broken free from the expect the unrealistic expectations of those around them, from the freedom from pleasing others, freedom from past sexual abuse. Uh, it, it Stephanie and I have a heart for setting people free, and what we are talking about even more specifically is setting people free to pursue the lives for which they were created in every area of life. We always are talking about taking life to the next level. And I'm not, I, I want you to understand before you hear this conversation and, and based upon everything I said, I do not believe that life outside of a congregational gathering is taking your spiritual life to the next level. My journey, my path, and my relationship with God, the one that I am called to walk on at this season of my life and for the past decade has been outside of a commitment to a weekly congregational gathering. I'm not suggesting that for anyone else. I do do life with other people who are similarly called to live a life without making that commitment, but I'm also very much in healthy, amazing relationship with believers who are. And in fact, the conversation you're about ready to hear with my friend David H. Foster, he, at the time, what, and, and and until the day of his death, was an incredible pastor 
of a weekly congregational gathering. In fact, his podcast, his 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 church was called the Gathering of Nashville. And prior to that uh, weekly congregational gathering, he was the pastor of an extremely large and very well known and and very well a very big institutional gathering uh, in the Nashville area. And so he is an example of how I can have a genuine, authentic conversation of respect, love, and mutual passion for our relationship with God, where at the time, I think I was just a few months out from ever attending those weekly congregational gatherings, and here he was spending hours every week preparing messages to deliver at those weekly congregational gatherings. And and he was one of my greatest cheerleaders in my journey through that transition and uh, he, like I said, was one of the, he. I will tell you, there is nobody on this earth that has had more impact in my spiritual faith journey than David H. Foster. And I will tell you, the day that I learned that he died uh, was a very sad day for me, and it took me many days to get over that. And I. <laughs> I'll never forget. I'm like, God, he was my greatest cheerleader. Who do I turn to now? And I'll never forget. I've never heard God's voice audibly, but it might as well have been as clear as as hearing his voice audibly, speaking the words. And 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 I, I know some of you will struggle to to believe this, but I'm pretty sure after I, I'm sitting there, I'm broken down in tears. I said, God, what do I do now? David Foster was my greatest cheerleader. He was he, he there was nobody that helped me feel the way that I feel and and, and experience freedom and and just so much joy in this new pursuit of you. Who do I turn to now? I've lost my greatest cheerleader and and I I swear to you God says to me, "Duh, <laughs> that that was it. Just that was it. God said, "Duh," and and He did not need to interpret that for me. I did not. I did not need anybody else to interpret what that means. He's like, uh, "Well, maybe me." <laughs> and God's been my cheerleader ever since. And and I will tell you, I I am forever thankful for the life of David H. Foster, and I'm thankful to my friend Brad Miller who texted me this morning and asked me, who is this David Foster that you attribute to several of these affirmations on your affirmation list? And uh, because of that text message, it prompted me to share episode 124 of that old podcast that I used to produce. And I listened to it this morning at the gym, and it was it was incredible to hear his voice, to, ha- to relive that conversation that I had with David back then. And as I was listening near the end, there is a little bit of a tie-in to the Cliff Ravenscraft show and, and what this show is about, because there is this conversation. You'll hear at the very end, if you listen to it all the way through, you will hear David Foster talk about myself, Dan Miller, and Dave Ramsey, all three of us grouped together in one group in his mind as certain people in the business world who are living life in a specific way. Listen for that at the end of the conversation. And by the way, uh, some of you who know Dave Ramsey, and if you know uh, Dan Miller, 
Uh, and you may know that Dan Miller and Dave Ramsey together, along with a group of 10 other men, met together in a mastermind group on a weekly basis for over a decade. And David Foster, David H. Foster, was one of the members of the Eagles Club mastermind group. So um, he he knows for he when he when he talks about myself and he talks about Dave Ramsey, he talks about Dan Miller. He knew the three of us very well, and and I'm honored to even be mentioned in the same sentence with with two of those guys. And Dan and I are very close friends, but. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I, uh, one last note here, and then I'll I'll turn you over to this conversation from the past, and that is the audio quality of this audio is going to be on a scale of one to ten, about a four. Uh, David, that day, what we were scheduled to do this interview, and he was having internet problems in his home. And his internet kept dropping on him, and so I, I said, "Hey, let, let's just do this by telephone." And back then, I was using a JK Audio telephone hybrid device for telephone interviews, and I only used it in like last minute, like worst case scenario. If there's no other way, then let's do a telephone call. Back then, Skype wasn't even a great, reliable solution for uh, recorded telephone conversations. Today, there's lots of ways you could actually call out to somebody on a telephone and record an excellent-sounding audio uh, interview. Back in, this was December 2011, those, those options were not reliable or did not exist, or they were way beyond my budget at the time. So with that being said, this is a recorded conversation where I'm in studio, David Foster is on the telephone, and I'm using a, a digital hybrid which brings in the audio static of that telephone. It, it, it's not great. But what I felt compelled to do while I was at the gym was the, this morning was to come back home in spite of what I had on my list to do today, in spite of the fact that I have, I've already got three other pre-recorded conversations that are perfect audio quality. I felt led, I feel, I feel strongly that I'm meant to release this conversation that back, happened back in 2011. And so for those of you who are, who are, number one, still listening to the intro, if you are able to make it through the next hour of this conversation with David H. Foster, uh, maybe it's for you. Maybe maybe that's why I felt led to come home and share it. And um, if that is the case, I would love to hear from you. Email me, cliff at cliffravenscraft.com, and let me know if this episode was meant for you, because I feel like it's meant for somebody. And and my, my guess and my experience in life and in creating content is that there's a good chance I'm going to be receiving several emails from folks. But... Uh, it, it it it's not my standard it's not my standard fare of content. I I don't normally put such blatant. Let me talk about Jesus and the church and Christ and Christianity. And I certainly have not been very openly promoting and saying, "Oh my gosh, not only is this how I'm living my life and my relationship with Jesus, but hey guys, I want you to know that I'm experiencing even greater." connection with God and other believers outside of the weekly congregational gathering. 
I because number one, I don't want anybody to think that that's a lifestyle that I'm promoting. It's not one that I'm ashamed of. I'm not embarrassed of. Uh, but but certainly, it, it's not my mission in this world. I don't believe. Uh, at least it's it's not something that God's put on my heart to convince anybody otherwise. And and I I know too many people who are thriving in their faith who it is life-giving still for them to be a part of those weekly congregational gatherings. So anyway, uh, that's enough rambling for me. I know that I can't to- I, I totally can't screw this one up because first of all, anybody who would have been turned off by what was going to ha- they would have already chosen to tune out. And uh second of all, if this episode is for you, you're going to listen to me right now no matter what I say. It, 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 this, this one's meant for you. And so you know who you are. What you're about ready to hear is just for you. Here's that conversation that I had with David Foster from December 13th, 2011. <laughs> All right, so I have on the line with me David H. Foster. David, I am so delighted to have you here on the About the Church podcast, my friend. Well, you know, I've been looking forward to it, Cliff. There's nothing I love talking more about than the church when it's done right. So glad to join you today. Well, I'll tell you what. um, Obviously, I've shared with my community quite a bit about the journey that I've been on. Well, really all my life, but then uh, right, right. over the last, I guess, 20 years now of being a Christian and and what God's been doing in my life over the last five years to break me right. free from a lot of the bondage. And the baggage that I've been carrying all these years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, yeah, I've seen it. You know, I've been, I've been a pastor all my adult life and I think my passion has been to try to take the church back from all the weird people who have taken it and tried to possess it, and uh, instead of trying to set people free, trying to put them into some kind of weird religious bondage. And uh, you know that you know it. it I've got job security because there's so much weirdness out there in the name of God. That I can live ten lifetimes still not scratch the surface. I'm afraid. You know, you know what shocks me is the amount of time that I've been in the Christian faith and in the Christian community, and I have not heard this message of freedom preached yeah. anywhere. Right, right. How, now, does, that, how yeah. does that happen? Well, because there's a big distinction. You know, people think that when I make a distinction between religion and Christian, that I'm, you know, straining uh, at... at Matt, that there's a big difference because, you see, if I'm a religious leader, if I'm a pastor and I view Christianity, you know, the eanity part as a religion, then I have a lot of tools to manipulate you and keep you motivated. Guilt, shame, you know, uh, but if I set you free, see, I moved to Nashville 20, back in 1989 to start a church with people who didn't want to go to church under this conviction. Or at least a conviction, or, or, or this experiment. Would people do more for God, for love and, and gratitude, than fear, shame, and guilt? And uh, so if, if, if you take the, the view that, you know, you need to keep people shamed uh, and, and guilted and carrying a load of, of garbage, 
to keep them coming to church. And you know, you, you hang them over hell. You threaten them uh, with judgment or punishment. You threaten them with just a removal of God's favor on their lives. Then that's a potent and a very powerful. Don't care how specific we say we are. Truth of the matter is, these are very powerful motivators. The problem is, is that they chew up the people that you use to manipulate them with, and so. What I've discovered is that if you can set people free in Christ, they'll do far more, they'll give more, serve more, do more out of gratitude than they ever will do out of guilt. And they they will do it long-term and be healthy and healthier for having, you know, served a bigger purpose than just themselves. Well, you know, one of the, I'm sure the one of the biggest fears of, uh, from somebody who is well-intentioned in their religion and and right. wanting to control people is is that they're afraid that if you do open up that door of freedom that you know right. you know what you can you really can do pretty much anything and and yep. God's still going to love you yep. that that's scary it it, yeah. it it there it is actually scary on behalf of people who are well intentioned because well gosh if I tell you that you can do anything and God's still yep. going to love you because y- yep. you're enveloped by His grace. Right. And and that right. he's died for your sins, not just in the past, but the ones you'll commit moving forward. Yeah. God, I mean that that's scary to those people. And and I'll be honest with you, when I walked into freedom, uh, just uh, literally just months ago, it it right. was scary for me. It's like, wait a second, you mean I don't have to feel guilty and ashamed of these decisions yeah. that I've made, these right. these little sins that are in my life that I, I feel right. so overwhelmed by, I, I can continue to do those and God would still love me. Yep, that's right. And I was, well, you know, go well, ahead. Well, I, I think, you know, uh, people, people have this idea that if you set them free, if you give them grace, if you, if you, if you, if you trust them to the grace of God in Christ, then they'll live any way they want to. And that's the goal, isn't it? It's not to change how we live is to change the want to. Yes. It's to change the appetite. Instead of, instead of, for example, for men, instead of putting all the porn filters and the accountability stuff so I won't get on the internet, uh, internet and, and, and lose my soul in pornography, how about let's just dry up the appetite for this crap? How about we just change our hearts, our souls, and our passions and our desires that's a far more healthy and far more long-term goal than trying to just trying to bridle people's, you know, uh, you know, trying to force people to change what they are when they can't do that. People cannot change. They cannot reform over time. Now, they give the appearance of it, but when you really delve into their private lives, they're doing something to compensate. If the grace of God transforms your heart and soul, then you will be different on the outside and the inside, and that will be a God thing, a good thing, and a thing you can sustain and grow in over your lifetime. You know, one of the things that I have noticed is everything that you're saying is true. There, uh, the, the first thing that came to my mind is that I really no longer uh, have to, quote-unquote, hide my sins. Um, yeah. n- not from... Uh, certainly not from God, although I've tried. Yeah. <laughs> as stupid yeah. as that Absolutely. sounds, yeah, I know. Uh, I, it's like God, I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to hide from you as if He doesn't know. 
but also what I've realized in, in gain freedom is, is, is that I don't have to hide sins from my wife, from my kids, right. from right. my friends, from yeah. those who, who, the, from those whom I lead. I don't have yeah. to hide those sins anymore. Right. And, and that, that alone gave me a tremendous amount of freedom to actually overcome in the last couple of months some, some things that I've dealt with for 20 years and have right. never been able to break free from. But now I'm gaining some control over those things. Yeah. And, 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 and it's even still, I can't say that I'm completely perfect and, and I s- still have <laughs> many things yeah. to work on. But the thing is, is, right. is it, it is so freeing to wake up in the morning and say, I am loved. Right. And, and God right. is, and, and one of my friends uh, heard me talk about this in, in, in a podcast and I said, you know what, I heard this once. It, not only does God love you, but I, I always like to think of this, God is thrilled with you. Absolutely. And, and yeah. it's like, okay, wait a second, wait. No, I can get the love part, but God's actually thrilled with me? Yeah. And, and and but 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 wait a second. He doesn't know what I did last night. Yes, he does, and he's thrilled <laughs> with you. He's not. Absolutely. He's not thrilled with what you did, but he's thrilled with you, and right. he loves you. And the and what you did does not change that. That's right. You know, God has no. I mean, God doesn't have an overestimation of my abilities. He knows that I am broken. That I am far more sinful than I ever dare imagine, but I'm far more loved than I'd ever dare hope. And those two things live together in a relationship with God. You know, David said in Psalm 139, he says, Lord, you have searched me, you know me, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. You perceive my thoughts from afar, you discern my going out, lying down, you are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is in on my tongue, you know it. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand on me. God... God only knows that we sin. He understands why we do. He is a student of our soul. He loves us, knows us, loves each one of us, Cliff, as though we were the only person on the planet to love and big enough to love all of us like he loves each other. You know, you bring up David, and one of the things that I struggled with early on in my faith, reading the Bible, is this understanding of, of God referring to David as the man after my own heart. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, wait a second, because I, yeah. I read about King David. This is a guy who's, yeah. who's had an adulterous affair, yeah. uh, who uh, covers that up by sending the husband of, his, of this woman off to be killed and murdered, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. and, 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 and not only that, but I mean, it's it just some other things. It, this is the guy after God's own heart. Yes. And and, yes. and and it's like everything's points back to David and, and just how great he is and how much he was used by God. In in spite of himself, God loved right. him. Right. Well, see, we have turned, what we've done is we've taken Christianity and turned it into moralism. It's about being moral. Yep. And so if you were to weigh David on the moral scale, not only would he come up light and float off the scale. He, had, he, he was not a very moral person. But the genius of David that God celebrates is the, the gap between David's sin and David's repentance was very short. And it was closing constantly all of his life. And it's not the fact that we sin that's a problem. It's the fact that we don't acknowledge it 
and come to the Father and let him love us through it and in spite of it and allow allows us see what I what I harbor in secret I lose control over. What I bring out in public loses control over me. That's why confession and all these things are so important for our well being. They have nothing to do with establishing and maintaining the relationship. That is done on God's part. That relationship is durable and it can take anything. We're never going to break that relationship. But the health of that relationship is what we get to participate in and enjoy as God begins to grow us up. I've been listening to um, Steve Brown over at Key Life oh, yeah. Ministry and, and sure. really enjoying a lot of his materials. Uh, he just created a brand new Twitter account. I don't know if you've heard about it yet. It's called Three Free Sins. So it's Twitter... <laughs> Twitter.com slash three free sins. I think he's getting ready to promote something. He might be writing a book called three free sins or three something. Free sins. Yeah. Lo- <laughs> love it. But anyway, he, yeah. he's always, he's always talking about, he has these people on his radio show and at the end of them, he says, thank you for coming on because of this. You, you, you now are given, you're granted three free sins. And I, I just kind of, kind of love the honoriness of this man. And, uh, one of the things he, one of the Twitter posts he put out there, he says, free sins are a gift, but only if you know that you need them. What are, what, what thoughts does that bring to your mind? Any, any thoughts on that statement? Well, I think it's just Steve's way of trying to help us understand how secure and how safe we are in the father's love and that our sins do not violate or rupture that relationship. Well, and that, go ahead. Well, my question, I guess, is is the the end statement of here, but only if you know that you need them, such as the qualifications. Like, you know what? Not, not everybody is off the hook here for sin. All right. Meaning, and, and so what I get out of this tweet, this little pithy statement, is that if you know that you need grace, then it is a free gift to you. If, if, right. If, I, I, and I would assume to mean, and, and I think I know enough from... Steve Brown's teaching to think that if you don't feel like you need forgiveness for sins, then therefore that 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 gift is not yet applied to you. Right. Well, Steve and I come from the same theological background. We're reformed. So what we believe in is is that that men and women, apart from God, are, are dead spiritually. So they're oblivious to the moral implications of what they do. So they look at each other and compare each other with each other, and so therefore they don't feel any sense really of guilt or shame or that anything is really wrong unless they fare unfavorably. But when, when the Holy Spirit makes us alive, Cliff, to understand our condition, it's when that awareness allows us to do what Jesus... You know, what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, bless the poor in spirit and bless those who mourn. What, what he's saying is when you understand that you have you are bankrupt before God morally and that you are without remedy unless God does something, when you, are, when you recognize your sin and your brokenness and you come and confess that helplessness to Christ, it's not that I sinned that's the problem. It's that I could. It's not that I lied. It's that I could. That's the issue. We deal with the lies, and the lies are like weeds. They never go away. The gospel goes to the heart, down to the root, and changes the heart, changes the root, 
That's why I say to people all the time, this old axiom that we've been raised with, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're far more than that. You have been adopted. You are a son or a daughter of God. You are a member of the kingdom. You are, you are different. It's not a better old you. It's a different new you. You know, that, that sounds very similar to the, the teaching that, that I grew up in, but it's so different than the teaching that I grew up in because, right. because I, I've always been told, you know, no, you're not just a sinner saved by grace, you're a saint. And, right. and, and of course, I understand. That I, I even, even today in my freedom, I believe that. I am a saint. Um, I, I, am, I am a called out one. I am one that is set apart. Uh, I, I, yep. I am... But what happened was I saw it taken to such an extreme. It's like, no, you're not a sinner. You are a saint. You have been saved by grace, and mm-hmm. and and God is working into you, working in you to work you towards sanctification, where you will be free from sin. So so that while yeah. the ability may be there, you will no longer give in to that flesh. Well, see, that's the way you deal with this. The other way, from a moralistic point of view, you basically say everyone is sinned, everyone is basically, so there's no big deal. The other side of the spectrum is no one sins. And so if you become like us, the attainable is that the sins will go away. Again, it's all about behavior, right? It's all about how I behave so that God will love me. And the gospel is, the good news is, there is no amount of personal reform that you can ever do to qualify you for the love of God. That is a gift. It has to be recognized and received. And once it is recognized and embraced, I become, through that experience, a different man, a different woman. And my desires and passions are to honor the God who loves me so relentlessly without limit or breaking point. And so my sins may not necessarily go away, hopefully I'm growing, but my desire is to honor God because I love Him, not because I fear that He's going to throw me out of the family. I've been reading uh, a lot of work from Brennan Manning, uh, as you know. I, I, absolutely. I absolutely enjoyed reading the book All is Grace. I, I thought it yes. Had I not known what I know about Brennan Manning and the you know tens of thousands of people, if not m- many multitudes more than that, that he's positively impacted with his preaching and teaching and his books and and things of that nature, um, had I not known all of those things about him, I, I'd be honest with you, his memoirs were quite depressing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's you know because he comes out of a Catholic monastic background and. Uh, you know, when you become an alcoholic in that environment, boy, your life is really messed up. And But if you really scrape a lot of that off, I mean, it, his story is the story of a lot of other people. Looking for love, trying to get acceptance, never being affirmed of any value, longing for someone to love him as he was, not as he ought to be. And, you know, that is such a radical message. I mean, it sounds, like you said, uh, on the surface very much... A, uh, a lot of what we hear, but on the, on the, in the guts of it, uh, it really is different because it is not about being God loving me more when I am good and less when I am bad. It is Him loving me consistently, relentlessly, without boundary, without breaking point, 
whether I'm good or bad. You know, Augustine said this. He said, love God and sin mightily. A lot of people take offense at that, but his point was that if you are obsessed with loving the God who loves you, then you don't have to worry about your behavior. It'll take care of itself. Here, here's one thing from, um, you, now you had sent me a book called Ruthless Trust, another book by yes. Brennan Manning. I, yes, yes. I think I'm on the third or fourth chapter of, of this book. And, yep, I've and got I, it right here in front of me. I was blown away when I read this statement. Of course, you know, he's, he, he, in, I think there was a, the trouble with, you know, with grace or the trouble with, with trusting in, or the trouble with trusting in God. And it was all about right. pain and heartache and, and, right, and, and right. stuff like that. And he says, you know, and it's, you know, it's hard to speak to this person and, and talk to them about blind faith in God and, and that God works all things together. It's tough to talk to these people. And, and so then, you know, setting that up, that's where he leads into this. And I just got one quote here I want to remember. He says, for that matter, speak to me sitting on the curbstone along General Meyer Avenue here in New Orleans. I am intoxicated after a relapse with alcohol. My clothes are in tatters. I reek with rancid body odor. I am unshaven. My face and belly are bloated. My eyes are bloodshot. I'm clutching a fifth of Smirnoff vodka, only a few ounces left. My marriage is collapsing. My friends are near despair, and my honor is broken. My brain is scrambled. My mind a junkyard of broken promises, failed dreams, and unkept resolutions. And yeah. and here, and 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 am I to understand he's sitting there writing a book about ruthless trust, following God? Yeah. 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 And, ha- and 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 a book that is going to radically propel people forward in their faith and trust in our God. Right. So yeah. so I I I guess this this right here begs the question: Where does the term hypocrite ever come into play? Well, a hypocrite would be someone who is sitting there writing this book in that condition, pretending to be totally whole and above it all. That's ah, hypocrisy. There um, we go. Yeah. So here, here's a guy. I mean, when you really get in, when you get out of the church world and the sweet, nice, little church-going people, and you get in the real world where people are broken, bruised, they've been attacked by life, they, have, they, they are in the clutches of their addictions and their... And their the lifetime of bizarre behaviors, that's where the grace of God really gets tested. Can it reach down and love consistently and lift consistently? Notice he's not in that state today. Yeah. Uh, and, and begin to, not just to redeem us, but to bring about restoration and reconciliation. I often say to people, God is, if you don't know what God is up to, it's three words, redemption, restoration, reconciliation. These are all a part of, of the process of salvation. They're all gifts. They're all providential. They're all sovereignly uh, anointed and initiated by God. And I often tell people, before you say yes to Jesus, you need to understand that when you get in, once you get in, once you say yes, then God takes over and there are a whole lot of decisions you don't get to make. You are his son. You are his daughter. You will be conformed to his image. Uh, you can either cooperate, you can go the easy way, or you can go the Brendan Manning way. <laughs> but you will be, but you will be conformed. You know, and, and that's why a lot of times, uh, you know, when you become a Christian, in my life, 
when I became a believer, when I was 18, man, all hell broke. You know, I never realized, I mean, how much opposition there could be and how much misunderstanding there was. And I thought following Jesus made life peaceful and everybody happy. I wouldn't tell my mom and dad. I thought they were going to, you know, take me out and buy me a present. No, they asked me to leave the house because, you know, this, this is following Jesus isn't just some nice, sweet, little, safe Sunday morning thing that we do. It is a radical departure for a lot of people. Uh, from the life that they live. Well, I, I want to tell people here, and I know that the folks who have listened to to all of my journey of uh, hearing the About the Church podcast and Almost Daily Devotional, they've heard me talk about this before, but you have a podcast that's uh, named after a book that you wrote called A Renegade's yeah. Guide to God. Tell, guide us to a, God. Yeah. tell us about The Renegade's Guide to God. Where did that come from? Well, I, I realized uh, if, uh, that a lot of people don't listen to... Uh, Sunday morning sermons online. And, uh, and what I found was that as I was answering questions between services and after services and counseling sessions and on my blog, uh, you know, I found that a lot of the same questions were coming up. Like last week's episode was, why are there so many new Christians? And I thought, you know, it would be, it'd be good to sit down and give like a 29-minute weekly uh, you know, private session to answer these questions uh, that a lot, you know, what, you know, what is the time to leave the church? Uh, what kind of church should I go to? Uh, you know, there, 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 there are a lot of people who are manipulated and brutalized by religious people calling themselves Christians. And I thought it would be great uh, to have someone who isn't afraid. My tagline of the show is, helping you know God, love God, and live the life for which you were created, something way too important to be left up to religious professionals and other weird people who just want to control your life. And so that's my only motivation. I want to set them free like I was set free. I don't want them to have to go through some of the stuff I had to go through to really understand that the gospel was indeed good news. And so it's, uh, every week it was posted every Thursday around lunchtime, and uh, you know, it's just trying to answer these practical questions without the denominational spin or without any motive on my part to try to, you know, I, I get an advantage with them or, or, or get something from them. One of the things that I realized after, you know, kind of being faced with, with the message of freedom, uh, listening to your podcast was, was an early catalyst of this, um, and, and some other materials that I was reading, uh, a book by Francine Rivers called Redeeming Love, a fictional right. retelling of right. the book of Hosea, um, and then reading Wayne Jacobson's uh, So You Don't Want to Go to Church Anymore. Anymore. Yeah. yeah, and so I, I'm, I'm going through this process, and then once I've decided, you know what, this is the message that God's been trying to beat into my mind over the last five years, and I can see that pattern. I can see where God's leading me to this and where he wants me to break free he wants me to live you know this whole idea of come to me you who are wearied and heavy laden i come i will give you rest it's like seriously and 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 it's amazing how much less stress i have in my life i'm absolutely it is like literally i breathe differently yeah i breathe yeah and And it, it is it is just 
You know, one of the joys, Cliff, of my life uh, it has been, I mean, I, I, I mean, every week, I mean, I have the greatest job in the whole world. Every week I'm setting people free. See, I know what's going to happen when someone comes, you know, uh, embraces, allows Christ to love them. I see the radical nature of that change. And, and so, you know, for me, you know, what I, I'm just like Santa Claus, you know, giving people the best gift they've ever had when they discover that, you know, what they've had is religion. And religion don't carry you. You carry it. Yeah. Jesus carries us. Carries us a lot more than we know. And he carries us, loves us, sustains us, blesses us. And, you know, I, here's what I found. A mean Christian is a person who is yet to accept their acceptance in Christ. Therefore, they have nothing to give anyone else. Say that one more and time. A mean Christian, and there are a lot of them, is a person who themselves has not accepted their own acceptance in Christ. And, it's, and therefore, they have no acceptance to give anyone else. If Christ, for example, if I'm trying to be a really good Christian, I'm trying to be a pastor, trying to build a church, trying to give people a reason to come every seven days, then I have got, and I have no grace, then I want other people to work as hard. I want them to be as difficult as it is for me. Do I want any Christian to say, hey, I'm living the way I want to and love God? No, I don't want them to say that. I want them to say, you know what, I go to church, I tithe, I serve, I have a small group, and I go to visitation. That's what I want to hear. But what I know is that all that stuff in and of itself, done by itself, is hollow. This is not how the life of God flows in the real world. It flows through me and you and our work and our ups and our downs and our pain and our marriage crisis and our children crisis and our job crisis and all of that. But God is in that. That's where we meet the sacred. That's where God shows up and thrills us with how good and how faithful he is. And he wants to give us our dreams, our hopes, and our aspirations. He wants to thrill us. So that every day we get up is like a joy rather than a chore. Man, that's so, that's so different than what I, I, I've i heard. It's just like so yeah. different than what I've heard in my, in my life. Yeah. It, it's just like, well, it, you know, in this world, you will have many troubles. That It seems like there's so much focus on that. Yeah. <laughs> your life yeah, is going to be a true pain in the rear yeah. end. And you're probably yeah. going to be hung upside. If you, if you really love God, you'll love God in such a way that you'll... You'll anger so many people that eventually yeah. they'll hang you upside down just like Peter. Yeah, well, you know, there, you know there's <laughs> only, one sa- only one Savior per lifetime, and you and I ain't it, right? Yeah. Uh, people need to come down off the cross. I mean, here's the thing that's, that's thrilling for me, is God is at work. This is not my work. Uh, you know, I don't redeem people. I don't make people want God. I don't make people hungry spiritually. I don't, I don't help people find solutions to their shame and to their guilt and to their broken relationships. I'm just a professional reminder. <laughs> I'm just, you know, reminding people of, of where hope can be found. And once God gets a hold of them, I know that he is going to do so many wonderful things. He's going to thrill them with his love and his presence and his providence and his promises that it's just a joy to stand back and watch people 
get set free and start beginning to live the life for which they were created. I really try to help people take their life back. And when you take your life back, and you take it back from the religious professionals and all of these mean, messed up up people who want to control your life, then you begin to live in the freedom and in the flow of God's grace. You begin to serve the purpose for which you were created, and that's where you find joy. One other thing I've noticed since, uh, you know, being on this new path with God and, and, and kind of reestablishing that a relationship that I they initially started 20 years ago, I am seeing today, and, 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 and I'd love your opinion on this, but um, I am noticing today a lot more people who are starting to understand and communicate the true gospel, the good news right. of, of being free in Christ. Is it because the blinders have fallen off that I'm seeing it now? Or have no, you also noticed that that just seems more and more people are catching on? Well, I think, I, I wish I could say the latter. I think it's the former. I think once you get set free, then you start getting attracted to people who understand who have been set free. Once you're walking it, I mean, when you're walking in this bondage, when you're carrying this load, you know, the great thing about it is if I, if I want to manipulate you with religion, I can do it all your life. I can say God is good to those who are worthy. And, and then, I, then you say, okay, well, how can I be worthy? And I give you these five things to do, and God is still not good to you, then all I have to say is try harder. You come back, you've tried harder. You're not doing something right. I can do this the rest of my life. Mm. And so it... So, what happens is that is so that is such a burden. Once it is taken off and the scales drop off your eyes and you see the truth, you know, when Paul said it is for freedom that Christ has set you free, do not let anyone bring you back into a yoke of bondage. Then you begin to recognize other people who, who before you thought were frivolous or not as dedicated and now you recognize, hey, you know, these people have just been free. And I couldn't recognize it because I wasn't free. And when you're not free, uh, Cliff, the last thing you want is, is other people to be free, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're miserable, do you want to be around happy people? Of course not. You want to be around other people who are just as miserable as you. And so as you begin, to, I call it the hot poker principle. You know, is that when you, I think that's what the church, the genius of the church is supposed to be, that we come together around this fire of freedom to love God and celebrate God and worship God and love each other and build each other up and set each other on fire, and then we go out, and as as the poker gets away from the fire, it gets a little cool, then we come back in the seven days and we fire each other. So the worship in the church should be more like a fire. Uh, rather than what it is for many people, a prison. <laughs> like a funeral. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, I, I found this quote from Augustine, Augustine uh, the other day. It says this, since a large number of people share their joy in common, the happiness of each is greater because each adds to the fuel of the other's flame. And when you are around people who are free, who are, who are and you see, the people who are free, I mean, truly free in Christ, they're not lax morally. They don't not care about being the kind of uh, example that reflects well on God. 
But they're, they're thinking about bigger things, just like you are. You've got bigger things to do than worry about whether or not you're going to drink wine or smoke a cigar or go to, to an R-rated movie. You're, you're trying to change the world, Cliff, yep. and that's what you're doing. And it, it, the ripples of that, I thought you were going to say this a second ago. I bet you'll agree with this. Have you noticed that since God has set you free, you're beginning to push deeper into people's lives need to be safe. there is there's no question in my mind and it and, and the here here's the thing um it, it, it it's not anything that i have their names on a card in my wallet right you know on nope, a piece of paper they, yeah. they just show up and 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 yeah. it's not like it's like oh well i have to tell myself okay where can i introduce the conversation with god yeah. in fact yeah. I, i'd almost yeah. sometimes just rather Talk about things that I'm I'm more passionate and interested in, and the thing is, is is, is I can't I can't find it's it's hard to f- find a conversation where somebody is not asking me about my freedom, yep. and, right. and 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 yeah. it was it was great at Thanksgiving. I, I'll tell you, years and years ago, my wife and I were when we first started dating together. We we didn't start our relationship off that great. I was I at when she and I first met. I had um, done that thing what they call um, backslide. I was backsliding. <laughs> so, so I, I was. Absolutely, brother. I was, I was, I was way out there. And my wife, or well, Stephanie, my girlfriend at the time, she was very much into church, and she was going to this Assembly of God church, and her, you know, with her cousins and stuff. And her cousin, his name is Mark, sits down with me one day and he says, "Cliff, how's your relationship with Jesus?" <laughs> <laughs> and that, I'll tell you, I just never felt more uncomfortable in my life. I know, I know, and, I know. And, uh, and it's funny because I, 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 it, I remember that day and I remember the words exactly. How is your relationship with Jesus was the question that was asked. And that was like, I don't know, 15 years ago. All right. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Fast forward 15 years to this Thanksgiving. Go over to his, uh, Stephanie's grandparents' house. Cousin Mark is there. I sitting down. I'm sitting down right next to him. He says, "So you and Stephanie still going to that uh, First Church of Christ up there in Burlington?" And I'm like, "Nope." He goes, "Oh, so you guys, uh, you guys found another church that you're going to?" Nope. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, and, and and at that point, if he was to say, "Oh, okay," and move the conversation somewhere else, I, I would have been fine. I didn't feel like I'm like, "Okay, yeah. let me let me tell you how, everything I've learned." Yeah. I, I it yeah. wasn't that wasn't my intention. I was like, yeah. "Okay." This is great pumpkin pie, right? <laughs> and and so he goes. So he goes. So you you're not going to church anywhere? I said, nope. <laughs> and yep. he says, so why not? And and, and so he was he was present. And and the cool thing is 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 that every time he he started to talk about the quote unquote going to church, and every single time he it, it was very clear by what he was saying. He was talking about. A Sunday morning gathering of all the people together, that institution, that organization, that thing. Right. Every time he brought that up, I brought up the fact that I am so much deeper involved in my relationship with Christ than I've ever been, and that I am experiencing the life of the church with some of the most amazing people, and that I'm growing in my relationship with Christ. He goes, yeah, but I could never just, I, I mean, you know, church on Sunday. It's like, yeah, I know. I, I and, and, and the thing is, it's like, dude, I, I encourage you, man, if that's where, if that's where you're connecting with people, keep going, you know? Yeah. And, 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 but he kept pressing. It's, it's almost as though he felt like, 
you know, not that he, I didn't feel like he was trying to convince me that I'm doing wrong, but he's like, dude, I, I want to hear more. What, tell me more yeah. about this feeling. And, and and I started sharing things and he started bringing some scriptures that, that would go against, you know, if you just pull them out by themselves. Right. And, right. I, and yeah. just, you know, of course, here's the Psalm 119, 11, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. I've got I've got scriptures in my heart that I never realized were there before. Absolutely. And yeah. and all of a sudden I'm like, well, what about this? And what about this? And he's like, oh. And and I sit there and he says, so so you're reading your Bible every day, right? I said, well, I'll tell you. <laughs> I tell you what. I, I, yeah. I, I, I said, well, you know what? I'm in the Word daily. And he's like, well, that's good. And I said, well, you know what I mean? I, I said, if you're interested, I'll tell you what I mean by that. And I said, I'm not reading the Bible every day. I'll just tell you I'm not. But yeah. I'm in the Word daily because the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the Word. And, and, and I said, when you think about that, that Jesus Christ is the Word, and, you know, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word is God, He was with God in the beginning, through Him, Jesus, the Word, everything. And I'm, and I'm sitting there getting all fired up, and everybody's like, mm-hmm. you guys coming in? From, it's like, wait a second. <laughs> and then everybody in the living room is listening, and he's like, dude, whoa. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. and, and he started asking more about my relationship with Jesus, and, and the topic got off of, quote-unquote, going to church real fast. Right. And that's what yep. I'm seeing. That that stuff is happening all the time, and I am not orchestrating any of it. Yeah. Well, oftentimes I think people want us to conform to their visions of Christianity to bolster their own insecurities. And uh, you know, when you see when you see someone who says they're a follower of Jesus but they're not doing it the way you've been taught it has to be done, then that's threatening. Right. But if you're free in Christ and you trust God, see, I trust God's work in your life. And if I trust God's work in your life, then I have to trust what that looks like, right? And it may not look like God's work in my life. As a matter of fact, it probably won't. But the commonality of our love for Christ and what he's doing in the world then becomes so strong that our world becomes bigger because God can now behave in ways we never anticipated he could or thought he would, right? Yeah. We've been taught to believe that all the work God does, he does on Sunday morning at church. No, all the work God does, he is doing 24-7. He is constantly engaging. I mean, think about the ways in which we can worship. We've got podcasts. We've got, uh, we've got uh, all these Bible apps and all these opportunities. We have such a rich uh, you know, a, a storehouse of, of resources to grow our spiritual life that we didn't have 25, 30, even 15 years ago. Yep. So to say that we have to always be present in one place at one time for God to work is just a really narrow way of looking at it. You know, he, Jesus says this. He says, you know, I'm going to build my church and the gates of death will not prevail against it. But we have to redefine sometimes what church is. Is church a building where people go and look at the back of each other's heads 
every seven days. Whereas the church, something bigger than the community gathered. Isn't the church, you know, when, 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 when I'm praying for the gathering every day, I'm praying for the church out there being the church in, you know, hospitals and law offices and, ho- and schools and homes and in businesses and Walmarts and I mean, everywhere we go. So it's a bigger view of the church, rather, uh, and not worrying about, you know, it is really a humanistic way of looking at the faith to say that I really care about who shows up at the geographical location called the gathering. Now, the really good Christians in Nashville would go to the gathering. And this is what we do in Nashville. I don't know how, we, how you guys do in Cincinnati, but in Nashville, we meet you and we say, how are you? Fine. Yep. Are you a Christian? Yes, I go to First Self-Righteous Baptist Church. <laughs> really? Well, I go to First Self-Righteous Church of God, where we really have the, the, we really have the Spirit. So we divide up in our little holy huddles. Wouldn't it be cool that the day came that our common relationship would simply be around our humility and our gratitude to God for his grace in Christ and be able to appreciate, Cliff, and celebrate each other's freedom, but also what God is doing in each other's life, that we could be cheerleaders for each other. And if what God is doing in your life doesn't look like what I think God should be doing, shouldn't I be a big enough guy to expand my view of what God does rather than exclude you because your idea of ministry doesn't look like mine? That, and that and that is exactly where God has been leading my thoughts and, and my prayers yeah. is, is to... Yeah. To, is to break down the barriers, the borders, the walls that we put between yeah. ourselves, the lab, yeah. the labels. You know, it, it, it's funny, David, because one of the things is is I got to meet you and and your wife on on a cruise, uh, Dan Miller's No More Monday cruise, right, right, and right. and so I got to know you guys as as human beings, as people, and then right. you know it wasn't you know and 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 I got to, I got to have that relationship with you, and it was just fun. Yeah. And then all right. of a sudden, on the way home, because because we, I mean, I knew a, I mean, I knew of you before because right. you were a client. Right. You were you had communicated right. with me before, but then I got to know you, and then I considered you a friend after the cruise. Right. And on the way home from the cruise, I start we we start downloading some of your podcasts. We're listening to some of your sermons, and it's like this is really right. great stuff. And I'm going right. to tell you, the old me. The old me, if you would have said, hey, I'm David H. Foster, I'm a Calvinist, I'll, t- <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you right now, immediately, yeah. I, don't think right. I, would, I don't think I ever would have downloaded any of your podcasts. Yep, that's right. Because you know what? I come from Isn't the yeah. Wesleyan Arminian line right. of faith. Right, right. And, and, yeah. and if, months ago, that's the way it would have been. I would have never heard yeah. of Renegade's Guide to God because I never would have looked it up. It's like, oh, he's a Calvinist. Yeah. He's a Calvinist. He preaches something yeah. different. Yep. And and here right. I here I am, and, and and as far as I'm concerned, I don't. You call yourself a Calvinist all you want. I think you're a Fosterist. You know, you're. <laughs> you're yeah, and I think yeah. Somebody asked me today, what, what does it mean to be a Calvinist? And I said, to me, it means God is sovereign; He does as He pleases. But He pleases to love me. It pleases Him to show me His grace 
and you know, it, whether you call yourself a Calvinist and Arminian and all those things, people like me, I will say this to you, I think people like me who stand up and, and try to speak into people's lives owe it to the people we speak to to know this stuff, to be prepared. I mean, you wouldn't want a, a heart surgeon you know, who, who, found, who took his course through you know, a, a coupon he found in Rice Krispies, right? right? You don't want him to go to medical school. You want to expect that your pastors have sacrificed and paid the price of preparation. But at the end of the day, if our preparation doesn't help us understand the issues and focus on them, then we then our then our education hasn't done anyone any good. My education simply affirmed, Cliff, what I had experienced. That was the wonderful thing for me, is that my education and my transformation and my walk of Jesus all went hand in hand. And you know, when 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 uh, Manning talked about the problem of pain that C.S. Lewis and others have done, when I went through that in seminary, when I almost died and I felt like God had abandoned me, that I was in a hospital for almost a month with a ruptured appendix, it was that transformative experience that taught me that the love of God for me was far more aggressive, far more trustworthy, far more faithful than anyone has ever dared me. Yeah. But when I experience it, one day, once, and you, I'm sure you've already experienced it, you experience well, once you get out of the box, you never go back. And oh. you just, it, 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 you're never going to ever go back. And I'm sorry, that's going to hack a bunch of people off. But what I think it would do, and I think what I'm already seeing in your life, is it's opening you up to a whole new business, a whole new section of people who, who are, uh, and I use this word positively worldly, in a sense that they see the world as a big place. And I think what God has done for you, at least you know, from a distance, is taken off kind of the provincial uh, governors of your faith and lets you see that your love for Jesus and your commitment to make a difference is big. And God is big, and he can embrace a big, diverse world. And so you already embracing your clients. They're going through struggles. You're adding not only your expertise, but a spiritual com- component. And I see you, I see you and Dave Ramsey and Dan Miller and all these kind of a new breed of believer who are going out in the business world who are not trying to preach, trying to save people and preach people into heaven, but who are boldly allowing kind of a synergy to, between your spiritual walk and your and your business wall kind of come together, and I think what you're going to do and what you're doing, you're letting people know it's okay. It's okay to acknowledge the spiritual side of you. Yeah. And that that spiritual side can also energize and help envision the business side of you. So all those things kind of become a, a part of the bigger fabric of your life. I, I absolutely and that and, and I feel I'm, I I've always sensed that that even years ago and back in 1996 I, I acknowledged God calling me into full-time ministry right 
and oh. and never really understood. And I and I, I and even with podcasting, it's like, wait a second. I know God's going to use me in this realm, in this space, in this right. this avenue, and that's why I got to. That's why I, I need to break from the from the insurance because I really feel this yeah. is this is that area. Yeah. But I still didn't. I, I still wasn't. It's like, what is the? What's the mission? What's the message? You know, it, for, right. for the longest time, it was. You know, I'm just here to entertain, to educate, to encourage, and to inspire. I'm supposed to take my journey and just share it, and right. and, and trust God to do something with that. And and right. and and, and, all, and honestly, that's all I've been doing is just sharing my journey and trusting that God will do something with it. And, and what blew my mind was all the people who would write in. And and this is really the camel that broke the sh- or the the straw that broke the camel's back. I got an email from somebody who says, "Gosh, Cliff, you know what? I I just listened to your podcast and I can't tell you how much it meant to me. And and I just want to tell you, dude, you are the most awesome example of what a Christian should be like." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, there you go. And yeah. and I'm like, "Whoa! Put the yeah. brakes on, dude." Yeah. If you would have told me that from January to May, I might have believed it because, by God, I I was I was I was on my high holy horse. Yeah, I was living yeah, I mean, a legalistic yeah. lifestyle for five months, the first yeah. five months of this yeah. year. But, dude, you're you telling your me, that, li- yeah, yeah, I you was chill ch- your list, right? Yeah, I I had it down. <laughs> I said, but, dude, it's July. It's July. And I am in the deepest valley of my relationship yeah. with God. God's mad at me right yeah. now. I'm. Yeah. I hate church. I hate this. I hate this person. I am so right. angry, but I still share my journey, and I'm just trying to share. I'm just attempting to be positive, and in fact, I'm totally fake in some areas. And you're writing me an email to tell me I'm the best Christian example you've ever seen. It's like this is blowing my mind, and that's for you. That's when I wrote to you, and I said, dude. I don't understand why God even yeah. would even let me speak at this point. Why yeah. hasn't why yeah. hasn't God struck me with some kind of illness to keep me from speaking? Because I am a <laughs> I am horrible. Yeah, I you know, and that's just how weird. I mean, it's also that's a great example of just how weird this stuff can get, but also how powerful the the the, the bonds of religion can be on our soul. Yeah, they can so intimidate us and so. In- See, our desire for God, our thirst and hunger for God is so real and so undeniable. We will, we will submit to almost any abuse that promises us an answer for that hunger. And so that's why we're so susceptible to religion and its power over us. And when we are set free, I mean, I have to tell you, Cliff, but when, I mean, you know, I went to Bible college, I went to seminary, 10 years. And for much of that, I was in bondage. And when I got set free, I was hacked. <laughs> I was hacked at all these people I trusted. I trusted my professors. I trusted my pastors. I trusted my parents. And I want to say, you, you took a childlike trust and you manipulated it because you didn't possess anything other than that to give me. And now that I've been set free, I will never, ever, ever do that knowingly to anyone else. Can I say I something? Be. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I, was, I listened to Steve Brown a lot, like I told you. And, yeah. and, and do you know one of the things I hear him say? 
is 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 he often apologizes to the people because he's got people that listen to his stuff that have been listening to him for you know 20 years and and he apologized he goes i i'm sorry for all the the, the wrong things i told you i was wrong mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, yeah, i'm yeah. sorry for the things i wrote i was wrong yeah. uh, yeah. you know yeah. if you believed what those things that i told you i believed them to be true then i was wrong and so right, I, I, right. I, here's the thing, and, and I'm, you know, listening to a lot of Wayne Jacobson as well, which, by the way, I'm going to be interviewing him next Thursday. Right. And, right, and right. that's the other thing. He used to be a pastor, and he's like, dude, and yeah. people are like, oh, man, that one book's out of print. I really would. He goes, yeah, I, I'm kind of glad it's out of print. Because, <laughs> man, it's wrong. Yeah, it's yeah, wrong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so when I hear you say that, it's like, you know, I, I'm sure there, there's no question in my mind. I've seen them. I, I know yeah. I've met some manipulators, the, the ones who yeah. knew it and they manipulated and, and they're, they were hungry for, and greedy for power and control of people's lives and money and, and have used God in, in, in terrible ways. But, yeah, right. but I want uh, to I thank God that, that that's not been a majority of my relationship in the church. Now, have I heard some lies and, and carried some baggage and bondage mm -hmm. it, through my faith? Yeah. But I, yeah. I, I want to say for the majority of it, it was all well-intentioned people. Right. It, and that, you know, that is, I think that is the point that we, that we need to make, is that a lot of these people are just dishing out what they've been given. And that is the danger, is that we, is that we not try to define God by our own experience. Yeah. But that we define God by truth. See, what, what you and I are talking about a lot of people interpret as, well, wow, you're just kind of freewheeling, kind of make it up as you go, people. No, we're people who are, who are, who are living out truth, right? Yeah. This is what Jesus taught. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, right? These are the things that Jesus taught, and the world has been turned upside down. Uh, I'm just reading a book of Triumph of Christianity, uh, Rodney Stark. Rodney Stark is a historian out of Baylor, uh, and he said 40% of the people on the planet today, this book came out in November, today are followers of Jesus. 2,000 years after his life, 40% of the 7 billion people on the planet today, Christianity is the fastest growing, most healthy faith in the world. And the only place it's not growing is here in Europe. And because we have taken the truth and we have tried to systematize it and sanitize it and organize it, and that's what churches do, right? Yep. It's a big old church, it's a big old institution, it's got systems, we got programs, and the more a church moves toward institutionalization, the more it must possess the truth and let it out in little short you know, fight because we don't want people to revolt. For people like me and you who have no organization to protect, our allegiance is only to truth. See, that's where I've always met people, you know, I have people who attend the gathering uh, who are atheists, who are agnostic, and who will say so. Our common love is the love of the truth. And I believe that any man or woman who honestly, without bias, over time, seeks truth will find yeah, that's the answer to that truth. And so, for you and me, what we 
we're, we're not interested in, in people conforming to our moral lifestyle. We're interested in people being informed about the love and the grace and the insane passion that God, the, our, our Heavenly Father has for, for each one of us. And the only thing we, the only price that he demands we pay is the confession that we're broken without him and a confession to love him and allow him to love us back. And that, my friends, is the good news. <laughs> Amen. David, thank you so much for this opportunity oh. to have this conversation with you. I hope that you'll agree to come back on in future episodes of this. We need to do this more often. I'm all for it, my friend. (laughs) Me too. I am too. Thank you, buddy. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. You're welcome.